Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Kari Menarchik. Well, hey, like Steve said before, it is week two of Family Gathers, and a highlight of this season is Brian's favorite sound, fruit snack wrappers, so go ahead and dig into those if you haven't already, and kids in the room are on the screen. Glad you guys are here. My name is Kari Monarchik. I serve here on staff as the pastor of C1. C1 is the ministry area for kids in kindergarten, first, and second grade. So in September, once C1 and C2 reopen, my weekends go back to being filled with more kids than adults, which, as you can imagine, brings lots of energy and a little bit of unpredictability. So it's always an adventure. In fact, if you are a kid in the room today, I invite you to come on up here with me. I have a space right here for you. I'd love to have you join me as we read a story together. Even if you're in the balcony, come on down. And as you're coming, let's do a little bit of a review from last week. Brian launched us into a new series called Imago Jesus. You guys can just sit down, pick a spot, any spot. And all of us are created in the image of God, right? We have inherent value and dignity. We can be in relationships. We use our reason and creativity to make the world a better place. But do we always image Jesus well? That's when you say no, not always, right? Thankfully, it does not mean growing a beard, wearing a sash, or sporting Jesus sandals, although I do see some of you do that one pretty well. But we are all called to image Jesus. And so we have scripture, thankfully, to give us a lot of insight into the things that he values. And the story we're going to read today is about a time when Jesus was on earth, walking around, talking, probably not eating fruit snacks. I don't think those were invented yet. But this is a conversation he had with his followers or his disciples. And it comes from Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to read from the Jesus Storybook Bible and you're welcome to follow along. Ready? Okay. The friend of little children. Jesus's friends were arguing. Stop right there. Can anyone relate? Yes. Okay. Who was the most important helper in God's kingdom? They wanted to know. I am, James said. No, you're not, said Peter. I am. Nonsense, Matthew said. I'm the cleverest. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, no, I am too. And this silliness went on and on like that for some time. You see, Jesus' friends had started thinking they had to do something to make them special to Jesus. That if they were the cleverest or the nicest or something, that Jesus would like them best. But they had forgotten something, something God had been teaching his people all through the years, that no matter how clever you are, or how good you are, or how rich you are, or how nice you are, or how important you are, none of it makes any difference because God's love is a gift. And as anyone will tell you, the whole thing about a gift is it's free. free. All you have to do is reach out your hands and take it. So while Jesus' friends were arguing, some people who knew all about getting gifts, in fact, you might say they were gift experts, had come to see Jesus. 
Who were they? They were little children. Jesus' helpers tried to send them away. Jesus doesn't have time for you, they said. He's too tired. But they were wrong. Jesus always had time for children. Don't ever send them away, Jesus said. Bring the little ones to me. Now, if you had been there, what do you think? Would you have had to line up quietly to see Jesus? Do you think Jesus would have asked you how good you'd been before he'd give you a hug? No? no? Would you have had to be on your best behavior? No. And get dressed up? No. And not speak until you're spoken to? No. No. <laughs> or would you have done just what these children did? Run straight up to Jesus and let him pick you up in his arms and swing you and kiss you and hug you and then sit you on his lap and listen to your stories in your chats. Yeah? yeah? That's what I hope you would do. You see, children loved Jesus and they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do is run into his arms. And so that's just what they did. Well, after all the laughing and games, Jesus turned to his helpers and said, no matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose your child's heart full of trust in God. Be like these children. They are the most important in my kingdom. How does that make you feel? Good. Right? I think so. Well, hey, I would love to pray for you, but before I do that, we're gonna um, practice something that we do often in this place, is that we listen and let Holy Spirit speak to us before we share words back to God. So we're just gonna sit here all together and do this and just spend a quiet moment. And I want you to ask God, what do you love about me? And just pay attention, like something might come to mind or a picture or a part of the Bible you know, okay? So let's all do that together. We're gonna sit quietly. Jesus, we just wanna hear what you wanna say to us. Dear Jesus, you've made each of these children so unique, and I just sense your delight over each of them, the way that you've uniquely wired them, their individual personalities, characteristics, likes and dislikes. All of these kids are a beautiful display of your creativity. And so I bless them with the ability to really soak in your love for them that comes no matter what they do, just because of who they are and your peace that banishes anxiety. And would you just refill them to overflowing that they might pour out your joy among us. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, you can go back to your parents and families. Do whatever you gotta do to help your kid figure out where you are. Because we want you to be reunited. <laughs> As I look across this room and imagine those of you on the screen, there's a lot of different ages and stages of life represented here. I mean, look around, this is amazing. Some of you are single, dating, married, divorced, separated, widowed. Some of you have kids, some of you don't have kids, and some of you are kids. 
Like this is really special and it's a gift to be a church family together. As followers of Jesus, we are called to image Jesus. And one way we do that is by valuing children. Through the story we just read in other parts of scripture, it is undeniable that Jesus values children. And we should trace our lives around his example. In fact, if you picked up one of these papers, you can do just that. Fold it in half, go to town. Trace it, color it, do whatever you wanna do. You can also look at this picture. Here's another artist's imagination of Jesus with kids. And some of you look at that and your heart just like burst with warmth. I bet you guys are the teachers, the coaches, the babysitters, the parents, foster parents, grandparents among us. You look at that and you're like, yes, go kids. I love that Jesus loves kids. And others of you might look at this and you're like really glad that's a picture of Jesus and not you. Because maybe you don't really consider yourself much of a kid person. I wonder if the disciples could have related. Because in their encounter with kids, I don't know that it was a particularly endearing experience for them. Matthew puts it this way. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, here's the difference in Jesus' perspective from his disciples. Jesus was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. So here's the deal. If we are followers of Jesus, called to image him, it also means we're being transformed into his likeness. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Holy Spirit is in the process of taking our values and realigning them to match God's. So if you can imagine a table right here with like 10 things that Jesus values, we don't get to pick eight and leave two for someone else. This is an all-inclusive process that we surrender our whole lives to God and let him go to work in every area. And it's clear that valuing children would be sitting on that table. So as we image Jesus, we have to care about children. But how does that actually get lived out? Well, here's how I put it. We value children by giving to and receiving from them. And because I'm a visual learner, here's the way I see it in my mind. It's like a cycle. It's a cycle of reciprocity, of giving to and receiving from. In our culture today, we kind of have this like mental hierarchy of people who like we give to these people and we receive from these people, like an invisible set of rules that govern our interactions with people. And in some cases, that's appropriate. But I think we really miss out if we keep kids in one category and ourselves in the others instead of seeing it as this cycle. All too often, we adults and teenagers, we see ourselves as like the knowledge explainers and the boundary setters and the question answerers, the givers. But it can't stop there because there's so much to receive from kids. And not just receiving kids like, I'm glad you're in the room, but receiving from them. At the end of his conversation with his disciples, Jesus says this, the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like 
children. Isn't that amazing? That's what Jesus said. And if he says the kingdom of God belongs to those who are childlike, I need an example to follow. I don't know about you, but I will always naturally gravitate back to an adult way of thinking and acting and prioritizing. I quickly gravitate towards like measurable goals and actionable things and doing over being. But kids are experts at going back to the basics. This picture is really fun to reflect on. I think it shows how creative and accepting and funny and kind they are. They savor the moment and are all in. They're not like keeping their calendar of what's happening for the rest of the week. They're just in the moment and it's beautiful. They are also brutally honest, yes? Anyone? Last year, I had a kid come up to me and say, oh, hi, ooh, you have hairs in your nose. And I looked down and I was like, guess what? So do you, we match. <laughs> like they bring laughter in lots of ways and they're so playful. And I wanna pause there for a moment. Think about it, the playful nature of kids is how they image God. And if any of you think of God as someone who's stern and disapproving of you, I wonder if there's an invitation for you to notice the playfulness of kids and let that reframe your perspective of how God sees you. Kids are a refreshing, real-time example of God's image and his nature, and we receive so much from them. What we give to kids is also critically important. We need to remember that they are in the most significant season of spiritual development of their entire lives. In fact, nearly 85% of people who make a decision to follow Jesus do so between the ages of four and 14. Let that sink in. Anyone, raise your hand if that was you, if you made a decision to follow Jesus between four and 14. That is a huge representative of us. Those early developmental years call for our intentional investment and our attentive presence. And neither of those happen by accident. It's a value you hold on the inside and live out through your words, through your actions, and your attitude, even when you think kids aren't paying attention. Our interactions with children inside and outside of church are directly impacting their understanding of who God is, who they are, and how they fit into his story and his family. And you know kids are like sponges, right? They soak up everything you want them to do and think and then some. And included in that is the knowledge of God and their experiences with him. They just soak it in, it like astonishes me. And I love when their eyes sparkle if you talk to them about Jesus. Often in C1, I'll give them a sentence starter that's God is, and then they finish it. And I thought we could do that together. So on the count of three, I'll start it, you finish it. You can finish it with whatever comes to mind. Ready? One, two, three. God is? That's what happens every time. You get this whole smattering of perspectives of who God is. One time I brought the microphone over to a little girl sitting on the floor and she said, God, you are my favorite. And she just melted in this like authentic moment that was so true to her. 
Kids are cementing core beliefs about their identity that will shape the trajectory of their future thoughts and actions. They're weaving together what they've learned and encountered from various perspectives to figure out what they'll claim personally and what they're willing to surrender to Jesus. And isn't that what we want? Lives surrendered to Jesus because he can parent them even better than we can. So hear me clearly. The years of a child's faith formation are so serious and they will pass by with or without our attention. But the gaze of Jesus is on them because he values children. And that's one of the ways that we can image him. He values them and he wants to be known by them. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord God with all your, all your, and all your, good job. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your, yeah, I'm not making this stuff up. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Side note, not necessarily saying take home your crayons and go to town on your walls, but I am saying that spiritual formation of children is a family process. Scripture says, listen, O Israel. It does not say, listen, O children's pastor or volunteers or even parents. It might as well say, listen, O Salem Alliance. This is a together endeavor of investing in our children so that we can all remember and obey the words of God that bring life. Like this is good for us. The responsibility and the privilege of spiritual formation of children rests on our entire church family collectively, and we cannot take this lightly. So we don't do it perfectly. I don't know that we ever will, but I do think that we have some room to improve in the way that we say to kids, you are valued family members, both now and down the road as you will step into significant places of leadership. So as God invites this into this process of spiritual formation, like what do we do? It's great to think about, but let's get practical. Like, how do we live this out? Well, what if we join kids where they're at? If you think about Christmas morning, this big pile of gifts and the tag that says to and from, that's a perfect example of the cycle of reciprocity. That some of those gifts are to kids, some of those are from kids. And isn't there so much joy in giving and receiving together? Like, that is special. And so as we join kids where they are, here's a few ideas. A, join them in house church, and some of you are in that right now. Thank you. If you are joining them in your house church, would you view them as contributors? Would you look a child in the eye and say, Ruby, you are such a valued member of our house church, and we want to learn from you? Or give everyone a chance to pray, even if kids do it silently but give them the opportunity. Give them the chance to ask questions. Kids love to be helpers. You could share it with them. You could also invite a family with kids to join your house church. Embrace the beauty of a multi-generational situation. Or 
You can team up with a house church that does have kids. Pick a meeting time of theirs and say, hey, that day childcare is on us. We want to invest in your kids and receive from them. We see the value in them because Jesus does. That would be such a huge blessing to so many young families I know. Be a great one. So you can join them in house church. You can also join them in this place. And let me just say, volunteering in children's and student ministries is not for the sake of running programs. Volunteering here is a built-in opportunity in our rhythms of gathering for you to join kids where they're at. It gives you access to kids and families on a team in a way that is such a meaningful experience to you both, that giving and receiving cycle. Next month, when we relaunch, we're looking for 35 more middle school, high school, or adults to say, I'm willing to join kids in this place on a regular basis. This isn't even an ask for all of you. I don't even know what we would do if all of you said yes. Like 35 people. And let me just go one step further and tell you what that looks like in C1. Right now, we have about one leader to 10 kids. And if we bump up the amount of people who will join kids, then we can shift that to about one liter for every five kids. And that increases the opportunity to be able to lean into the questions that they have and just need the opportunity to ask. It gives them the opportunity for us to catch their misunderstandings about Jesus and do some course correct. And it gives us the more chances to just pour in the truth about who they are. It's amazing. So think about it. If that's stirring, I just encourage you to be obedient to that nudge and ask God, all right, what's in it for me? And I will say one more thing. If you're like kind of warming up to the idea of joining kids in this place, but I haven't sold you on it all the way, we have some other opportunities that directly impact kids. For example, if you're like an IT techie person, you can run our check-in system and literally you say, hey kids, stay with your parents. Print out the name tags, off you go. Like you don't even have to be with them but it directly impacts their ability to be here and to join us as a church family. Now, up here, there are um, seven blocks of colors, right? How many days in a week are there? You get the connection? The tiny little yellow strip is just, for example, if you say yes to joining kids once a week, like in house church or here. That means there's a lot of other hours and days of your week. Like you spend the majority of your life in places other than here. And it is just as important to image Jesus there as it is here in those other places and spaces. So my second handle is no matter where you're joining kids, would you make your interactions meaningful? I think this images Jesus too. He like, really used his words and interactions with people carefully. He was a good steward of it. So a couple ideas. One, write a child a listening prayer letter. Take some time and ask Holy Spirit, what do you love about this kid? You don't even have to know them that well. Like Holy Spirit can give you insight, bring to mind pictures, scriptures, songs, write that out, seal it up and give it to that child and you know that they will keep that until they're your age and beyond. Two, invite them to teach you something new. If you're gonna do that though, please be present in conversation, 
Listen well and make eye contact. Like, be in it. Third, ask questions, even big ones, about God or faith or family or like how you make that awesome PBJ. Like, just be willing to ask the big questions and be okay without having the answers because it's important for kids to know that we're all learners on this journey together and we don't have to have it figured out. That's not what God is expecting of us. Four, the I see in you type statements are huge. It can be really easy when you go and like interact with a kid to comment on something of their physical appearance, like that dress is so pretty or you just keep getting taller and taller every time I see you, right? We do it because it's simple, but would you put some weight behind your words? Something like you have such a creative mind or the way that you care for your brother, like I'm just blown away by the compassion that you share. Those sorts of things, the more proactive deposits of treasureful words we can make in kids' lives, it fills them up for the times that come of them being like, am I even seen? Am I known? Does, do I matter to anyone? Like as a church family, we can do that. We can make deposits with our words. And lastly, be authentic. Kids have a very sensitive authenticity meter. So when you interact with them, appropriately bring your, honor, your honest self and show vulnerability. You can call them up to a higher level in conversation and you'd probably be shocked at what they bring to the table. They pick up on a lot and they're facing a lot in life. There's heavy things going on that kids pick up on and just need the chance to share in a safe place. So give them the gift of an unhurried, authentic conversation, well, whether they're your kids or not. That will demonstrate tremendous value. <clears throat> There's also research called Sticky Faith that shows if a child has five adults in their life who love Jesus and are investing in them in impactful and meaningful ways, it really changes the trajectory of their life of following Jesus. So would you be that person? That's the invite from Jesus, right? He doesn't just want us to image him for the sake of whatever. It's because he values children. And that's right back to where we started. We image Jesus by valuing children. And how do we do that? Say it with me. We value children by giving to and receiving from them. That's right. So as Noah and the team comes back up, I just wanna say that we're called to this for a purpose. As we value children and image Jesus in this way, it changes us as well as them as we both go along this journey of knowing God better. And I wanna say something directly to the kids in the room. And it's this. You guys lead the way. The way that you lean into Jesus, you listen to him, you play with him, you imagine him, you trust and believe in him. Keep doing that and tell us adults all about it as we join you in these places because we want to learn from you and your pursuit of Jesus is what will continue to cause faith to rise among us. Some of you kids especially have made decisions in the last year or two to follow Jesus. And you're like all in. There's a crossover there with a bunch of 
ribbons ready for your name. If you have not pounded a ribbon on the cross, I just want to give you that invitation today. We have time and space, and you can come right on down, and we'll help you with that. So may this be an opportunity, kids, for you to lead the way. Can I just pray over you? God, this is all by you and for you. There is nothing about imaging you by valuing kids that adds to what you like about us more. We already have your unearned love and favor, and you're just all in. You created us, you love us, and thank you for the gift of giving us children that we can follow their example. Would you just let your truth in your unhurried presence soak into our lives this morning as we continue worshiping? In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.